Hello, church family, and hello to friends that are with us today. It's my joy to preach God's word for all of us today. Uh, today's sermon is titled Christ Centered Leadership, and it is from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 7 through 18. Leadership development is one of our church's core values. We value de- developing people to their full potential and in Christ-like character in order to impact their spheres of influence and to increase the spread of the gospel to future generations. But why is this so important? It is because this is a core part of our, our identities and our calling as Christians for all of us. Jesus told his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. We all are salt to flavor our world and to have the responsibility to influence people that God has put in our lives, in our workplace, in our homes, in our church, and in our city. Let's face it, leadership that is marked with integrity, courage, honesty, humility, competence, and focus on benefiting others is so lacking in today's society. So Paul's teaching here is especially relevant for all of us now. In 2 Corinthians 10, verses 7 through 18, Paul defended his God-given role and outlook as the apostle to the Gentiles, specifically to the Corinthian church. He wanted them to receive his apostolic authority that would build them up and increase their faith in Christ. I'll go ahead and read the scriptures for us uh, at this time. This is God's word. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that What we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you uh, with the gospel of Christ. We did not boast beyond limit in in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. So that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Amen. This leads us to the one thing that highlights Paul's main point for this passage of Scripture, for the first century church, and for us today. Lead others in order to build them up, increasing faith in Christ. I'll explain this passage of Scripture in two main parts. First, Paul's christ centered confidence from verses 7 through 12, and second, Paul's Christ-centered boast from verses 13 through 18. 
There are also four principles regarding Christ-centered leadership that Paul shared as he defended his own apostolic authority uh, to the Corinthian church. Uh, so let's, let's pray first and uh, ask the Lord for open, ready hearts to receive God's word today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as Psalm 19 says, may these words of my mouth and these meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and redeemer. May my words be your words in this preaching moment. May your words penetrate deeply into the meditations of our hearts. May you help us respond in repentance and obedience that pleases you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So remember our one thing here, okay? Lead others in order to build them up, increasing faith in Christ. Let's jump right into the first main point. See verses 7 through 12, Paul's Christ-centered confidence. We see here that Paul and his team were confident that they were Christ's and they did not need to compare themselves to others. Leadership principle number one is this. Christ-centered leaders serve out of their confidence that they are Christ's. What Paul says in verses 7 through 12 are actually a continuation of his thoughts from verses 1 through 6. Paul defended himself from adversaries who were not impressed by Paul and criticized his ministry. This was a mindset that was in the Corinthian church as they lived in a city that valued and embraced Stuff like power, charisma, money, knowledge, and rhetoric. Rhetoric is simply persuasive speech and writing. They resisted, they resisted supposed inferior ideas like weakness, humility, dependence, and submission. Things that they could easily point out in Paul. You see, Paul actually knew that these human-centered values were not important in Christ's kingdom. And in fact, they were folly. They measured, these were people who measured up with their perceived competition, comparing themselves with the others around them, and then gauging their worth based on this. They measured up with their perceived competition, then ranked themselves based on those outward traits. And those caught up in this, according to verse 12, were without understanding or just plain ignorant of what really mattered to God. But in comparison, Paul said this in verse 7. Look at what is before your eyes. He was telling the Corinthians to look at him and to look at his team. But it wasn't because they were far superior to their critics. Paul and his team paled in comparison to those that opposed them. Instead, he boldly stated, if anyone is confident that he, he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. What Paul was 100% certain of was that he belonged to Jesus. He was completely accepted by Jesus despite his great sins. He was redeemed by the Lord's blood on the cross. He was credited Jesus' righteousness by faith and was reconciled with God by divine grace. This is how he described his identity in Christ in his own words. 1 Timothy 1, 12-14 I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I, pers I persecuted his people. 
But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how, gracious, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Paul knew that it was only by God's grace that he was saved. A persecutor of Jesus' church whom the Lord had mercifully plucked out of the grips of hell. And Paul knew that it was only by God's grace that he was called to do this work as an apostle to the Gentiles. Here is the key of Paul's Here is the key to Paul's Christ-centered leadership in the midst of all these trials, difficulties, and conflicts that he faced. And this was with all this was this was all from those uh, whom Paul was called to serve. He was confident that he was Christ's, that he belonged to Jesus. He was God's child. He was his, his he served his Lord and King no matter what. This is the first leadership principle for us too from verses 7 and 12. Christ-centered leaders serve out of their confidence that they are Christ's. Too many times our insecurity is our undoing, isn't it? We get so upset if we're misunderstood. We get so discouraged if someone criticizes us. We get caught up in trying to defend ourselves uh, either in the moment or if you're like me when I replay what happened in my head and I'm able to think of a better argument like way, way down the line. We want to quit if we fail. We want to prove people wrong. I think that all people are insecure at some level, but when people lead out of their insecurities, it gets really ugly, doesn't it? I'm sure we can all think of examples of this in our experiences at work or at school or even at church. Having un- people... Uh, who are leaders having unreasonable fits of anger, giving out verbal lashings over small things, uh, trying to make allies against others, and, and just really making bad decisions that benefit only them, and on and on and on. We can think of examples. But the truth is, our deepest insecurities are already known and dealt with by Jesus on the cross. And yet we are still unconditionally accepted and loved by our Savior despite our insecurities. Furthermore, we know that our identities are restored by our, by our Lord and Savior and we can grow into who God wants us to be. This is the freedom of true humility. We know who God is in all His glory and awesomeness and we know who we are, depraved sinners saved by God's grace, And we know that God accepts us completely and we can function as a leader with nothing to prove and nothing to lose. Operating in the realms of our lives with confidence in Christ who strengthens us to do His work. That is the freedom of humility. So the first leadership principle from verses 7 and 12 is that Christ-centered leaders serve out of their confidence that they are Christ's. Now let's look at leadership principle two. Christ-centered leaders exercise authority to build up others around them. Paul did admit that he was human, and therefore he was prone to make mistakes. He wrote in verse 8, even if, For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for you for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. He recognized that as the Lord Jesus had made him the apostle to the Gentiles, Thus, 
he had to exercise authority over the first generation of churches like the Corinthian church. He acknowledged in true humility that he boasted a little too much sometimes. He sometimes was a little too confident in himself and in his position of authority as an apostle. But here's another aspect of Paul's leadership that is notable for us. He understood that the authority that he had was not for his own personal gain, but for the building up of the Corinthian church. This right here is a critical, critical part of leadership. The imagery of this word is exactly as it sounds, the construction of a building from the ground up. Paul saw his role as strengthening, edifying, and enabling the church to become who the Lord Jesus had called them to be and to do all that the Lord Jesus had called them to do. Paul knew that the way the world worked was that people in authority more often than not used their power to destroy, exploit, and gain from others. But Christ-centered leaders grasp the great responsibility that they have to use their authority to build up those that they are called to lead and serve. In this responsibility, Paul wrote that he would not be ashamed. His critics critics accused him of being two-faced in his dealings with the Corinthian church. That when he wrote his letters, he was forceful and assertive, but when he was in person, uh, he was weak and not confident at all. Paul clarified that it was true that he was forceful and assertive in his letters, calling out the Corinthians for their their sins and persuading them to repent before the Lord. But he also clarified that he was not as his opponents said about him. Uh, He did use various approaches, rebuking and correcting sometimes, and being patient and gentle sometimes. But he was totally consistent in his goal, which was to build them up in the Lord. In all his approaches, he actually exercised his authority faithfully for their benefit. So often, leaders act like people and organizations are there to serve them. The truth is, Christ-centered leaders believe that they are there to serve their people and to serve their organizations. Jesus taught this uh, when, his, when his 12 disciples were fighting about which one of them would be in the places of honor in Jesus' kingdom. John and James actually said this to Jesus. Listen to this. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Wow, what a brash request, isn't it? And the others, they were indignant when they heard what James and John asked uh, asked the Lord for because most of them had they, most of them uh, had wanted to ask Jesus this as well. They were just beat to the punch. So Jesus said this to his disciples, Mark ten forty two through forty five. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. For whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus highlighted that this is how the world works. 
the rulers and the great ones exercise authority over others for their own sake. But Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others by giving his life as a ransom for us all. When this message of salvation hits us and our hearts are transformed to believe and love Jesus, we will want to do the same as Jesus. We will want to lead the same way as Jesus. We will know that true greatness in our Lord's eyes is to actually be a servant. And this is a primary part of our identity. Here's leadership principle two again. Christ-centered leaders exercise authority to build up others around them. I think this is very relevant for us in the workplace as a way to integrate, as one way to integrate our faith into our work. I think that this approach would help us see that people in our companies and people in our organizations are a big part of our ministries. I think when we have, if we have startups or we have our own family businesses, this kind of approach can create a very healthy culture where people thrive and thus businesses thrive, can thrive as well. May our, one of our leadership mantras for all of us be this. My goal is to build up others. My goal is to build up others. We exercise our authority by serving people caring for their well-being, development, and growth. Exercising authority as a servant in this way sometimes will mean that we have to correct or rebuke uh, those that God has put in our lives at times. Exercising authority as a servant in this way sometimes will also mean that we carefully listen and learn about the people around us and take steps to help them using our authority to help them. So from our first main part, from verses 7 through 12, we saw Paul's Christ-centered confidence as he led others in order to build them up, increasing faith in Christ. Now, let's see verses 13 through 18, Paul's Christ-centered boast. We see here that Paul and his team sought after the Lord's commendation in their ministry, and they did not need to boast otherwise. Leadership principle three is this. Christ-centered leaders stay focused on what he has entrusted to them. Paul introduced the word boast way back in verse 8 when he said that maybe he does boast a little too much of, of his authority. And now, in this entire second half, he hammers home the theme of boasting in a positive sense now. He uses the word another six times in verses 13 through 18. Technically, the biblical word for boast means to have an unusually high degree of confidence in someone or something being exceptionally noteworthy. So Paul wrote in verse 13, We will not boast beyond our limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even to you. In other words, he told the Corinthians that he would not boast about matters beyond the scope of to which God had called him to do or be, but only what God had assigned for him. Thus, from looking at these verses, Paul was highly confident that God did call him to, and his team to the Corinthians, that they were in, they were, that they were in uh, their God-given area of influence. Paul reminded the church that he and his team were the first ones to come to Corinth and to share the gospel of Christ to them. 
according to verse uh, to Acts chapter 18. Paul spent one and a half years there explaining the message of good news to both Jews and Gentiles. And he helped start the, the church there as well. And so you see, Paul had a natural relationship with the Corinthians and had a natural interest in seeing them healthy as a church. It was not a stretch uh, that, that Paul flexed his apostolic authority in Corinth. He looked at them as people that the Lord had entrusted to him to guide and form as a predominantly Gentile church. According to what he wrote here, as, an apostle to the, as the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul was, uh, saw his calling in three aspects. First, it was to bring the good news of God's salvation to the unreached people groups and places of the known world. Second, it was to start churches, groups of disciples of Jesus Christ who were committed to make disciples of each other and of others in the city. This is what brought him to Corinth those years ago and to stay there for that one and a half years. He wanted to continue to do that in other places as well beyond Corinth. As, and so that was his calling. Third, according to verse 15, Jesus saw, or Paul saw his calling as to also help the faith of the church to increase, to strengthen their faith in the biblical gospel centered on Jesus Christ. This is what led him to write these series of letters, and this is what caused him to, to continue to interact with the church there, even through all those difficulties um, with them. Just as Paul tried to stay focused on what the Lord had entrusted to him in his ministry, we must also try to do this. Remember that Christ-centered leaders stay focused on what he has entrusted to them. There are two stumbling blocks that we encounter that sabotage this. First, it is looking around too much. It's when we start getting caught up in the comparing and classifying game with others. And either we start to get puffed up with pride if we think that we stack up pretty well with them, or we start feeling despair if we feel like we stack up poorly compared to them. We talked about this when we talked about the first leadership principle from verses 7 and 12. Uh, but second, another stumbling block to, uh, to being focused on what he has entrusted to us is looking ahead of us too much, looking ahead of us too much. This means when we're over-focused on our future desires, plans, and goals, we miss out on being fully engaged in the here and now, not realizing that what we are called to do is right in front of our faces. And God has put these specific people and responsibilities on our plates for this present moment. In contrast, Paul had already written to the Corinthians about this previously. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17 says this, Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. This teaching was given to the Corinthians as they wondered about things like this. Is it God's will for me to be circumcised or not? Is it God's will in my life to be single or married? And the answer that Paul gave to these questions were, were, was quite simple. 
Whatever situation that God has placed you in is not an accident. It is sovereignly ordained by God. Therefore, live faithfully in that situation, knowing that God has called you to be in it. For us here today, if you are single, this is God's calling for you right now, and it is a glorious calling. You have the privilege and responsibility to devote yourself to meaningful and worthy causes. If you are married and or with children, this is God's calling for you right now, and it is a glorious calling. You have the privilege and responsibility to devote yourself to this meaningful and worthy cause as well. And remember, our faithfulness in the present are checks that God uses to develop our character and to form our leadership so that, so that He can entrust to us greater things in the, uh, in the future days. Now finally, let's look at leadership principle four. Christ-centered leaders seek after His approval, boasting only about Him. As we look at verses 17 and 18, we need to ask, how did Paul become commendable? How did Paul become commendable by the Lord? How does someone get to that status with, with, with the Lord? For Paul, it was clear that it was by faith in God, and it was by faith in His grace. To make his point, Paul took this word from the Lord, took this word of the Lord from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. You see, wisdom... Power and wealth are things that people naturally look at as valuable. If you have one of these things, you have reason to boast. If you don't have one of these things, you don't. But the word of the Lord here said that the one who should boast, the one who possesses something of true value, is the one who knows Him. The one who knows the one true God. The prophet was was pointing ahead to the King and to the Savior Jesus. Jesus is the one who would make known God to people. Jesus, in His earthly ministry, practiced steadfast love, justice, and righteousness. Jesus was sent to carry out God's covenant to save His people whom He loves He was without sin and was 100% righteous, going to the cross as the perfect uh, and thus worthy sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. His sacrifice on the cross satisfied the justice of God that required punishment of sin. This is what Jesus did. He saved a sinner like Paul who now could boast that he knew God by His grace and who could boast that he now lived to seek God's approval only. This is the gospel. We are made commendable or approved by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ by putting all of our trust in Him. For our friends here who are not believers in Jesus, 
This is God's salvation that He offers to us freely and that we receive by faith as a gift. You can trust that He is your Savior, the one who served you by sacrificing His life on the cross so your sins can be forgiven, so that you can be made right with God, so that you can be approved of by God now. You can trust that He is your Lord too, the one who you understand and know and follow, practicing steadfast love, justice, and righteousness. And you don't do those things to try to earn His approval, but now you want to please and honor and obey Him. Today, if you sense the Lord's call to trust Him as your Savior and Lord, that take that step of faith. Please let someone here know that, so that we can celebrate with you, as well as we can confirm your faith and help you take the next steps of being His disciple. And this gospel is not just for non-Christians, but all the more for Christians too. How do we grow to seek Jesus' approval only? I thought of a couple ways to cultivate this kind of heart. First, in your leadership, do some acts of service in secret. There are responsibilities when we lead that no one else will know about, but are important services to others. I just think about my my youth pastor that I had when I was in high school. He wasn't flashy, charismatic, or that great of a preacher. But he was a man of the Bible, and he was a man of prayer. Uh, You know, I didn't actually see all the work that he put into the sermons um, and lessons that he taught me and my friends as teenagers. But as I look back, I can see how God used his love for the Bible to build a good foundation in me. May this be an encouragement for those teachers here uh, in our teens ministry and in our children's ministry. You know, also, I didn't see all the hours of prayer that he put into interceding for me and my friends. But as I look back, I can see how God used his persistent and passionate prayers, sometimes all night praying for us. And God has really brought to fruition his prayers in my life. I can testify, I can boast about that. May this be an encouragement for all of us who are praying for loved ones, friends, colleagues, parents, and children. May we serve in secret and in our leadership as we do these acts of service in secret. May God develop in us a to be a Christ-centered leader who seeks after His approval, boasting of Him only. Second, in your leadership, cultivate a life of looking up in personal and corporate worship. You know, if you have a problem with looking around us, or you have a problem looking ahead of us, as I mentioned in the previous leadership principle, then this is the long-term solution for these stumbling blocks. Look up. Look up to Jesus Christ in personal and corporate worship. Of course, this can mean by this can be by singing Christ-centered songs that will help you to do this. But besides singing, there are other ways that we can spend time in adoration, in praise, thanks, trust, surrender to the Lord. You know, I did notice recently 
that I don't, that I don't sing as much as I used to. So I changed this intentionally. So uh, now I listen to, I, I sing, I put on some praise music in my times of prayer. I, I turn on some praise music as well uh, during those times that I make breakfast for my family in the morning. Uh, making breakfast for my family is, has become one way that I serve my family uh, during the pandemic. And singing those gospel truths about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has helped me to see that God's approval is most important in my life. No matter the forms, this kind of personal and corporate worship, that means doing it in, in private by ourselves or doing it with other people as a church, uh, it is fueled by the Word of God. Taking in scriptures into our hearts and minds that point us to Jesus, that lead us to worship of Jesus. This, the Word of God keeps us, uh, and, and, and worshiping Jesus through the Word of God keeps us grounded and hopeful. This gives us content to share with others as we boast about God with the people around them and build them up so that their faith in Jesus Christ may increase as well. That's influence. That's leadership, isn't it? So from our first main point from verses 7 through 12, we saw Paul's Christ-centered confidence. And from our second main part from verses 13 through 18, we saw Paul's Christ-centered boast as he led others in order to build them up, increasing faith in Christ. Now let's conclude today's sermon with the life application. The next step that we can take as we lead others in, to build them up, increasing faith in Christ, uh, is to reflect on the following questions. First, what stumbling blocks do you see in your life that hinder you from leading others in order to build them up, increasing faith in Christ? Uh, this question is to help us think about our heart issues and our habitual sinful patterns of thought and behavior. Praise the Lord Jesus that he died for these sins and that we are approved of because of his sacrifice on our behalf. And in light of this, we can courageously and boldly break down our motivations, desires, and actions and confront the brutal facts. This should lead us to confession, repentance, and joy that we are redeemed and we are being restored in his image. Second, what shifts in mindset and steps of action can you take to develop your personal leadership to those whom God has called you? The second question is to point us towards the leadership principles that I exposited from this passage of Scripture. What small but faith-filled steps can you take to develop as a Christ-centered leader? I'd encourage you to share this with others. Share it with your friends. Share it with your spouse. Share it with accountability partners or life group members as we disciple each other as a church about how we can lead others in order to build them up, increasing faith in Christ. In fact, this is how we lead each other well. This is exercising leadership within the church as well. Praise the Lord. May the Lord lead us as we lead others in order to build them up. And may there be this increase in faith in our church and around us as well. Let's go back to our Zoom service to close out our time together as a congregation. God bless you all.